Welcome to the MBG Podcast. Let's fire everybody. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 49, the Message Board Geniuses Podcast. This is Who's. I've got Casey, Joy, MBG. Got week nine of the college football season in the books. We're about two-thirds away through the football season. So we thought it would be fun to revisit our college football playoff picks from August and see if any of us, Reed, Casey, and me, need to take a mulligan on any of our picks. (laughs) Oh, God. Casey, we're going to have you lead it off. Do you remember who your four picks were for the playoff? The beautiful thing about me, who's, is that I don't remember what I said 10 minutes ago. So, <laughs> no, I have no recollection whatsoever. I probably picked – I know I picked Florida State, I think, but then I think the next week I might have flip-flopped. I, I don't know. So I know you're going to remind me, but here's yeah. what the four that I'm going with midway through the season. I'm going to go with Michigan, who I don't believe will be challenged even by Ohio State. I think Ohio State – is Clemson with a fantastic receiver. And that's not that's not a compliment. Georgia. Georgia won't be challenged. I think LSU gives them a game if they meet in the SEC championship. And I know it's a big if. I think Georgia's in because there's not a challenge again. Florida State, Louisville maybe in the ACC if they play up. But I just think Florida State is, again, not going to be challenged with the remaining schedule they have. And then Washington, even though this is typical Casey here, so stay with me for a second. I think they lose in the Pac-12 championship, so I think this one's going to be one that changes. But right now I'm going Washington. Can I flip-flop again in six more weeks? So, Casey, amazingly, you only picked one of the same (laughs) schools that you picked. (laughs) So you picked Georgia, Penn State. You did not pick Florida State. You picked Clemson. And USC, so your that's Georgia atrocious. Pick, yeah, your yeah, Georgia pick is still in play. Your Penn State pick is not done. I got that from Marler. I stole that. <laughs> you totally I stole did. that full fledged from Marler. I wasn't. I didn't think of that myself. I stole that. <laughs> now we're blaming Marler. Not even there to defend himself. Yeah, the USC and Clemson picks. I, I don't think those are going to work out for you. So. Um, you're, you're probably better off hitting restart. <laughs> I got a blow on the game. <laughs> and then... <laughs> All right, Joy, who do you have? I remember mine. I'm pretty sure I said it was going to be old school and it was going to be Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State. I'm pretty sure those were my four. Those were? Look at me. Overachiever. Yeah. Uh, I am, yeah, we're, we're going to circle back on that. I still think Georgia and Michigan are in there. I think Florida state is in there. I, I don't really think that they're, they're going to get, they're going to really have anyone that really gives them a game at this point in time. And then I am going to give it to Washington. I just don't, I just think they're going to sneak in. I think the pack is falling apart, which is very symbolic considering conference realignment is about to happen, but I'm, I'm going to give it to Washington and maybe if for nothing else, it would just be fun. So that pack 12 is awesome this year though. I, yeah. I mean, like, like it's awesome and hysterical all at the same time, but your four picks were good. Yours are all still in play, 
right? Like Bama's probably the most tenuous one out of those. And they're, you know, they're and still fingers the crossed that after this weekend, they just have no shot. Yeah, it'd be tough for you to pick Bama before yeah. this weekend. So sure. all right, MBG, how about you? Well, I know that one of my four was Texas, and I think I'm going to have to replace them. <laughs> I still think Texas is going to win the Big 12, but um, I think the Big 12 has lost a lot of luster. They're going to, I think they probably, after losing Oklahoma, needed to be able to beat an undefeated Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game. So I don't think that Texas is going to make it. So Georgia is going to make it because they don't really play anybody, I don't think. Michigan, same thing. I think Michigan will make it. I also think Ohio State because Ohio State has some good wins, and at worst they're going to end up with one loss, which will be Michigan, who will also be obviously a playoff team and probably undefeated. So those three. And then the fourth, I would probably say Florida State for the same reason. They're not going to lose. There's no one on their schedule that's going to beat them, I don't think. But I think Oregon is a better team. I think Oregon's better than Washington. I know they lost, but I think they're going to beat them in the Pac-12 championship game. And if Florida State were to somehow tumble or lose, um, I would put Oregon in at four. Yeah, so Joy, MBG, and I all had Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State. You'll recall my fourth one was Clemson, which I'm pretty certain is not going to hit. So (laughs) I'm struggling – between Oregon and Florida State, I think, MBG, you said exactly what I think, which is I think Florida State has an easier path. I think Oregon is really good. I think Oregon's better than Washington. I think they didn't play as well as they can in that game. I think they had a couple coaching decisions that didn't help them. I think Oregon could easily run the table from here out. So I'm, I'm going to replace Clemson with Oregon, and I don't feel as good about Ohio State as I did back in August probably, but it's just hard to tell how, I mean, so much is going to hinge on that Michigan Ohio state game, which for obvious reasons is going to be even more fun this year than normal. So, so I think we circled that one on the calendar before the season started and it's like triple circled now because either way, the fallout from that game is going to be phenomenal. <laughs> oh, well the whole buildup now, not just, you know, all of the intensity that we had before, but now with the whole cheating scandal, and that Michigan is trying to blame that on Ryan Day hiring some <laughs> firm to investigate. And it's all of a sudden his fault that they might be in trouble. I mean, there's this whole new layer to that game as if it wasn't already going to be intense enough. I mean, oh, it's, it's, it's happened <laughs> oh, in Ohio State, of course, saying, well, you know, we only lost these last two because you were stealing signs, even though Oregon or Ohio State switched up all their signs before the game last year. They're still saying, oh, you can only beat us by cheating. So, yeah, that game, I'm I'm not a huge Big Ten fan. I don't dislike him. I just don't watch a ton of Big Ten football, but that game is going to be so much fun. It is, and I, I still think in the grand scheme of things, that game doesn't mean anything because I think both the teams are going to make the playoffs no matter how it turns out. I know it means a lot to both Ohio State and Michigan. but Who gets man, left I, out? Neither Pac-12 of them get left team? out. Yeah, no, I mean, well, who gets left out then? Well, yeah, because Florida State will be undefeated. You can't leave Florida State out if they're undefeated. I mean, well, that's if Washington loses. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, Washington's going to lose to Oregon. So I think they're both going to end up with one loss. Texas and Oklahoma are just going to have at least one loss. I'm with you. And it's going to be Ohio State with a better loss. Yeah, Ohio State, they beat Notre Dame. They beat Penn State. I mean, that's, I mean, those are two pretty good wins. So yeah, I can see Oregon on the outside having the, the biggest complaint about. And this would have been a great year to have more than four teams because there are a lot of 
yeah. good teams, and I don't think there are any great teams. So, agree here. It really is. And that's also, you, you're going to have Alabama hanging out there. I mean, right. All right. So next up, we've got our mailbag question. This week's question comes to us from friend of the podcast at Five Foot Nothing Pod, another listener who's cracked the code on the types of questions that we're looking for. I think we've used his at least two or three times. So his question is, if you could go back and be on the sidelines, on the bench, or in the dugout for any game in the history of sports, what game are you picking? So Casey, what do you have? What an awful question. Seriously. <laughs> oh, un unrelated, completely unrelated. It is Notre Dame hate week. So sorry, Palk. I don't make the rules. Okay. What was the, what was the question again? I'm just kidding. I know what it is. I, I prepared for this one. <laughs> Seriously, this one's tough for me because during my second junior year at Clemson and my first senior year at Clemson, I was on the field for nearly every Clemson home game. And yes, that is a humble brag. But I digress. I'm a diehard New York Rangers fan. That's hockey, Joy. Just FYI. Um, I would have wanted to be on the bench during their run, during the last Stanley Cup run in 1994. I was 17 at the time, and it was an amazing experience as a fan. The correlation, I'm not sure I used that word right, to college football would be how opposing fans would throw 1980 at Georgia fans. Similar fan bases in the NHL would do the same chant of 1940 at us young whippersnapper Ranger fans, and I would get irrationally upset about it. But I've mellowed in my older days, those opposing fans. So, yeah, Game 7, MSG, New York Rangers versus the Vancouver Canucks. I love I've mellowed immediately followed by the F-bomb. That was perfect. <laughs> by the way, I wonder how many of the three of ours are going to be things that took place before Joy was born. So. Mine is something that took place before so. I was born. Oh, so, we, might, we might get a clean sweep here all right joy what are you going with okay um in the spirit of the world series that's currently happening right now i'm cheering for the texas rangers just want to make that very clear and so i would like to go back to august 4th 1993 when the rangers were playing the chicago white Sox, and robin ventura got hit with a baseball and decided to storm the field against the greatest Nolan Ryan. I'm a Nolan Ryan stan. I love Nolan Ryan. Humble brag. I grew up with him at some point in time. I even called him Uncle Nolan. He and my grandparents are great friends. And I love him. And so to see him put Robin Ventura in a headlock and just knock the living daylights out of him would have given me so much joy. I watch that highlight more frequently than I watch 2019 LSU football highlights. It really wow. brings me immense amounts of joy. So if I could go back and be in any dugout, any sporting event ever, that is the one that I would choose. Robin Ventura had a nice career, and he's remembered for one thing. Yeah. <laughs> just getting that ass dragged on the pitcher's mound. <laughs> in, in the headlock, just boom, yep. boom, boom. <laughs> By Uncle Nolan. All right, MBG. Well, I would probably go back to 1983 the game that put the greatest quarterback in NFL history on the map, the drive, Mr. John Ty Detmer. No, not Ty Detmer. John Elway in Cleveland, the drive, to tie that game up, send it to overtime, and eventually send the Broncos to the Super Bowl where they'll get pummeled by the Giants. But still, <laughs> but still, I remember watching that game. I remember having to D or I was going to say DVR at the time. We can DVR. I remember having to set the VCR to record that because I was at church. So I had to watch the last drive on the, 
on the VCR on the the what do you even call those tapes? The tapes. VHS. The, the VHS. 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 Hoping that I didn't, hoping that the game didn't run out of tape because it went to overtime. <laughs> so, uh, oh. so that would be the one that I wished uh, that I could go back and see. Was there anything yeah. worse than like setting your timer on the VCR? Because those were the really <laughs> rich ones for like two and a half hours, right? And the game went three fifteen, and you never oh. knew if the VCR was really going to work or not. Right. And then, that was like, definitely you, a leap of faith. Right. And you were worried what you were going to tape over, like what was on the tape before. Is somebody going to get somebody in your family going to get mad because you're taping over their their show. Dad, Dad, can I tape over Hill Street Blues? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's the one. That's my that's my favorite memory as a kid was the the drive. So I feel like MBG and I have pretty similar sports sensibilities. We've gotten to be good friends over the years. There is not a topic we diverge on more than John Elway. I don't think <laughs> there's nothing that hurts worse than Joe Flacco's bomb at Mile High Stadium a little bit later on uh, to beat the Broncos in the playoffs. But, one of the greatest plays I've ever seen. <laughs> Big win for the Broncos this weekend, MBG. Well, this is—I'd like to see them not win. What are they going to do? <laughs> They're just playing themselves into a bad draft pick. <laughs> Be a Dolphins fan the last right, so, thirty years, eight and eight, gets you the seventeenth pick in the draft. <laughs> They're having a good year this year, Casey. All right, so. I was torn between two. First one is I wouldn't want to be on the field, but I would have wanted to be in the right field bleachers at Camden Yards for game one of the 1996 ALCS between the O's and the Yankees. Casey is silently cheering right now. If you recall, the Orioles led four to three, uh, bottom of the eighth, when 12-year-old Jeffrey Mayer reached into the field of play, deflected a Derek Jeter fly ball that was 1,000% going to be caught for an out into the stands for a home run, tied the game. Yankees went on to win. Felt like it changed the direction of that series. At a minimum, I would have boxed that kid out and possibly <laughs> done much more <laughs> to prevent him from getting close to the field. And my other one is 1995 win over FSU, which I mentioned on here before. And that's mostly, I think I mentioned on this podcast before, that I that was a huge game. FSU was number two in the country. Uh, they'd never lost in the ACC at the time, arguably the biggest win in our program's history. And I was at a Carrot Top concert at the time. <laughs> and in, in retrospect, being on the field for that would have been far preferable to being at a Carrot Top show. So those are my two. I bet you that All show right, was good, though. <laughs> I mean, I got a wife out of it, so it worked out. But, you know. <laughs> Uh, this is still that was a pretty hefty price to pay. All right, that brings us to our next segment, Genius of the Week. As always, each of us is going to nominate a player, coach, team, conference, mascot. Someone who did something particularly dumb in the last week, we'll put it to a Twitter vote and see who wins. For our last vote, Casey's nominee, Shane Beamer, won in another close contest, taking home 36% of the vote. Joy's nominee, Lincoln Riley, came in second with 32%. My nominee, Michigan State, got 28%. And MBG's nominee, Johnny Yates, one of, <laughs> one of the all-time greats from Genius of the Week, took home 4%. Now, I'm going to leave with 14 wins. Joy and Casey have nine apiece. Courtney has one. MBG is still on zero. MBG, you're now 0-33. For reference, you've now matched the Indiana State Sycamores, who lost 33 straight games from 2006 to 2009 before knocking off the Western Illinois Leathernecks 17-14. So once again, you're in fine company. The finest of company. 
<laughs> All right, Casey, who do you have this week? This is a tough week for Genius of the Week, I felt like. It was real tough. It was real tough. This week I'm going with Deion Sanders because he came up with a novel idea of how to keep his son Shador, quarterback Shador Sanders, from being a human target just for opposing defenses. After Shador was sacked seven times, well, five in the first half, and hit countless other times, so much so that he was administered pain-killing injections at halftime, Dion said, quote, the big picture, you go get new linemen. That's the picture, and I'm going to paint it perfectly. I'm actually a fan of Dion Sanders, but he's pretty much all that is wrong with the transfer portal. And for that, and that alone, Dion Sanders is my genius of the week. All right, Joy. Did right, Jimbo I'm- do anything dumb this week? or? I mean, he existed outside of that. He won. He won. Yeah, we're not going to talk about it. I don't like to give him any ounce of credit. I mean, South uh, Carolina. South Carolina. This is why you don't trust South Carolina. I mean, it was like the two most untrustworthy schools in the country. Don't get me going on a rampage. We'll never get finished through of Genius of the Week. My Genius of the Week is Connor White or Matt Weiss. I'm sorry. Matt Weiss was the offensive coordinator at Michigan. If you remember, he was fired back in January due to the university kind of having some suspicions that he was involved in computer access crimes. And then this past week, post-sign-stealing scandal, it came out that the FBI is actually now investigating him. And he was scheduled to have a meeting with the FBI and the school, and he decided just to not show up. So they are presuming that he is very much involved in this crime. I just think it's absolutely hysterical that... Matt Weiss was fired in January, and he's still making headlines in October because now the FBI feels the need to investigate him as well. And so for that, he is my genius of the week. Well, I think if you blow off the meeting, they can't do anything to you, right? If you just don't show up and meet with them in BG, I think yep. legally they have no recourse, right? Yep, that's exactly right. I've, I've been watching. <laughs> They'll just throw up their hands. I've been watching Suits, and that appears to be the way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, MBG, is this the week? Well, I have to admit, I tried to cheat this week because I will tell you, being the week of Halloween, my intent was to nominate for Genius of the Week adults who wear Halloween costumes to work. <laughs> so, if you, so if you saw, I put a poll out asking if any adult, if it was okay for an adult to wear a Halloween costume to work, and all the choices were essentially no. And I've never taken a bigger L on Twitter in my life. I didn't realize how many adults want to defend their right to wear a Halloween costume to work on Halloween, which makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to go to Chipotle and have freaking Winnie the Pooh making my burrito (laughs) or go to the dentist and have Raggedy Ann try and set my appointment. Like, I don't I don't want that. It's, It's uncomfortable. But apparently that's what America wants. So I had to go with plan B which I think is even a better choice all around, which is really a criminal dream team in Pennsylvania. (laughs) I got four gentlemen. If I had to form a criminal dream team, these would be my guys. Rakeem Savage, Ronald Byrd, Hanif Palmer, and Malik Palmer. Prosecutors allege that these four men used bolt cutters to rob an unmarked tractor trailer that had 75 million dimes in it, worth $750,000. So apparently they're on a crime spree and they see this truck parked and so they decide to break in. They were already on a spree. It says they'd already stolen goods, including alcoholic beverages, frozen crab legs, shrimp, and meat. 
and they stumble on all these dimes. So it says, after breaking into the truck with box cutters, the men loaded the dimes into smaller bags and put them into another truck. So I'm picturing these dudes with like a bunch of like Ziploc bags, just loading them full of dimes. <laughs> yeah, they got busted, like taking all these things of dimes into the bank. Eventually, believe it or not, uh, when you take like a ton of dimes into the bank, it triggers some sort of warning. But really what I what I envisioned is all these guys sitting at the Queen Star at Walmart, <laughs> dumping like a ton of dimes into the Queen Star and taking it up to to the cashier uh, no mbg at, it takes eight percent at coinstar you know they wouldn't get their Walmart. full value so these guys for thinking that they were going to get away with having like an insane amount of dimes the criminal dream team of rakeem savage ronald bird hanif palmer and malik palmer are my geniuses of the week that's actually pretty good i want to see your twitter searches sometime <laughs> to see where you're finding you think rakeem and malik are are, are siblings well, it sure seems that way. I mean, it sure seems that way. The talent runs in the family. <laughs> All right, so I, I switched up mine at the last minute. I'm going with Pat Narduzzi, head coach at Pitt. They're finishing 11-3 and and 9-4 and the last two years. Pitt's having a pretty abysmal season. They dropped a 2-6 and six after losing to Notre Dame 58-7. to At his post-game press conference, Narduzzi said, as a football coach, you lose a lot of good players from a year ago, and you think as a coach you're going to replace them, and obviously we haven't, which is just dragging his guys after this loss, which is kind of amusing. But then the funnier part was a number of uh, pit players who quote tweeted the tweet that had that quote in it. I only wrote down five of their responses, but they were all like, wow, huh, LOL, crazy world, wow, that's what's up. And my favorite was, ain't no way I'm reading this right. So <laughs> for those of you, I mean, he's walked back his comments, but I mean, that, and apologize to his team, but I think the damage is probably done. By the way, this is the same guy who's 64 and 47 at Pitt, but he said, I think last year he said that if Pitt was in the big 10, they'd win it every year, which again, not really sure how that works out, but for throwing his team under the bus and being an all around dummy, Pat Narduzzi is my genius of the week. He seems like a real so, player. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Just think, I, I was just astounded by the number of quote tweets because some of them I didn't realize they were pit players until somebody aggregated all the pit players who were quote tweeting it. It was kind of funny. I wish I could remember the pit fans at on Twitter said something to the effect of this guy playing quarterback right now should be a kicker somewhere else. Right. <laughs> well, we, we did have that one post where fans were talking about like, punching them in the stomach if they saw them walking around campus and stuff. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Before we move on to our next segment, we want to give a quick shout out to CFB home for sponsoring the MBG podcast. You can find them on Twitter at CFB home and online at fifthquarter.net. Also, we're doing a couple of cross promotions with, uh, with other podcasts this week. The first is with the Sickos committee podcast. Their week nine preview dropped last week with an episode titled, I stole the sign and it opened my eyes. That's a fantastic uh, <laughs> pod title, by, by the way. Uh, we're also doing a cross promotion with the Slander You podcast. They also dropped a week nine preview last week with an episode titled Connor the Stallions, a man with unique assets. We love both those shows, so check them out. All right, MBG, you got some good stuff for us this week? Well, I think so. We're going to start out with a meltdown. Who do you think was probably the biggest meltdown of the week? If you had to guess. 
I mean, close to home. I think Clemson was pretty had to have been pretty large. Yeah, Clemson's was pretty good, Casey. I'll admit there were some fire dabos uh, already, which was uh, kind of expected. Um, but no, you guys are going to be shocked by this because this fan base is typically very measured and rational in their responses, um, but they were not. The Oklahoma Sooners um, lost their first game. Oklahoma was 7-0 and going into their game against Kansas. Um, they're now 7-1, and which – going into the season is probably about as good as they could have hoped for. Um, but they did not take this game. Well, I don't know if any of you saw the game. They fell down 7 nothing in the first quarter, which prompted responses such as, I hate this offense, and Heisman, my F and A, what a terrible read and play call. So they're already mad at uh, their boy Dylan Gabriel uh, in the first quarter down 7 nothing. They then say, I'm so tired of Jeff Lebby. I don't want to be this guy. I don't want to be this guy, but put Jackson Arnold in, who's the backup quarterback. Says, and y'all still love and support Lebby. Congratulations. You've been played by the Walnut LOL. Fire Jeff Lebby. Again, it's 7 nothing in the, in the first <laughs> quarter. It then goes to 14 nothing, and things get a little bit worse. It says, well, it was fun while it lasted, and then this team sucks. And then a lot of asterisks. Um, I'm not quite sure what they suck, but apparently they, they suck because they're down 14 nothing. In the third quarter, uh, they're down five at this point, and they're saying the coaching staff has or the coaching staff has crapped the bed. Dylan Gabriel is complete trash. It's time to readjust expectations for this team the rest of the way out. They hit a wall and very barely very clearly are, are not figuring out how to get around it. Jeff Lebby is the worst coordinator since Chuck Long, which is saying something. Mm-hmm. Another another guy wants to bench Dylan Gabriel, who they they were claiming was in the Heisman contention going into this game. Time to get ready for next year. Obviously, they lose the game, and their response is to fire Jeff Lebby. It says you can't trust a guy with a neck beard, especially a fat one, which I take exception with because you certainly can trust fat coaches. We know that. Uh, Jeff Lebby is an effing moron, and if Venables doesn't make a change after this season, then he's an effing moron as well. It says we're likely stuck with with Art Bryles' half-witted son-in-law for the foreseeable future. This is what's so funny about this, because for some reason, they lose 38-33. to 33. They scored 33 points. Defense gives up 38 points to Kansas and their backup quarterback, and they're mad at Jeff Lebby, the offensive coordinator. Oklahoma is seventh in the nation in total offense, fourth in the nation in points per game. And they think their problem is Jeff Levy and uh, Dylan Gabriel, and they're seven and one. I don't, I don't understand it. Either, even from Oklahoma fans, I don't quite understand the reaction there. But the next well, especially year, after they went six and seven last year, right? I mean, they've already won more games than they won last year. Right. Yes. Yeah. And but the next beard. Yeah, I mean, it's the neck. I mean, <laughs> look, if you want to fire Jeff Levy because he's Art Bryles' son-in-law and was at, I think he was at Baylor when that whole thing went down, that's understandable. But that's not why they want to fire Jeff Levy. They want to fire Jeff Levy because they lost to Kansas by five, even after his offense put up 33 points. I, I think they're pointing fingers at the wrong person. I don't think they want to point fingers at Venables because he's a defensive guy. But deep down, they have to know that the defense was the problem in this game, not the offense. I'm with Casey. I, I enjoyed the neckbeard comment. You, you also <laughs> left off the second sentence 
in that. Uh, that was my favorite post. You can't trust a guy with a neck beard, especially a fat one. And then, then he, the guy called him a chode, which I hadn't heard that. <laughs> How did I miss that line? He said, this chode gets paid almost two mil a year too. Life is pain. I don't know why. I just, you don't hear chode very often these days. Such a good, good dig. <laughs> It's, solid, it's like when Golik was cranking up at Wimpy, right? Like Chode <laughs> is just such a solid insult. It's funny to me that every coaching staff has one guy who, no matter what happens, he gets all the blame. No matter what happens, there's one guy on the staff, whether it's the head coach, the one of the coordinators, special teams coach. No matter what happens, that's the guy they want fired, whether it's his fault or not. There's just one lightning rod on every coaching staff. Apparently for Oklahoma, it's Jeff Levy. Oklahoma fans stayed up until like the wee hours of the mornings, like pining for Jeff Levy. That didn't last long. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I, I, can't, I can't imagine if USC lost at Kansas, what Oklahoma fans would be saying about uh, USC and Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch and Caleb Williams if they lost to Kansas on the road. Um, but apparently Brent, Brent Venable's no big deal. It's all Jeff Levy's fault. It looks like Brian Ferentz will be available for Oklahoma next year <laughs> if they want. So He's going to be on the market soon. He's going to be a hot commodity, I think. Yep. You you read this post, but I didn't want to gloss over part of it. The guy who said, I don't want to be this guy, but put Jackson in. Any message board post that starts with, I don't want to be that guy, <laughs> is immediately followed by being that guy. Right? <laughs> like every single time. <laughs> and we have to read them. I read it every every. I go threads. I go pages on those threads. <laughs> like you're almost self aware enough to realize you shouldn't say what you're about to say, but not quite. Not yeah, quite. That and hear me out. Those are yeah. the two like signs right at the beginning of a post. It's going to be something really good. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of uh, lightning rod coaches, Billy Napier had a rough go at Florida or at Georgia this weekend, but not that I really blame him. Georgia's significantly better than um, Florida. But it got one Florida fan really upset and really uh, considering Florida's place, I think, in the SEC. This was on Reddit. Uh, this guy unearthly said, the SEC needs to limit the number of five- and four-star recruits allowed to join a school in a recruiting cycle in an attempt to make the game a bit more competitive, something akin to a salary cap. Otherwise, the five-stars just keep piling onto the same school in an attempt to have an easy walk to a championship. So our Florida friend apparently wants a redistribution of talent amongst, I'm guessing, just the SEC. Because I'm guessing he <laughs> – I'm going to guess this guy doesn't want Utah State to have any four- and five-star guys. I'm guessing he just wants uh, wants to share those guys amongst the SEC. Yeah, because win winning, therefore affecting recruiting, would just be way too difficult for the University of Florida. So we have to level the – I think Florida has the right now the composite number seven recruiting class. Number three. Number three on three on two four seven. I looked at it right before the show. They have 17 four and five stars signed for uh 2024. It's how many are on their current roster. We were just talking about lack of self-awareness. Right. It's crazy, right? Like wait, I mean you've already you have 17. You know how many we have on our whole team? Maybe we might have one. I, mean, well, like, I think Kobe Pace was one. The idea of having any, you know, four and five stars is something. But and also, I'm pretty sure Florida wasn't uh, complaining about this when they were winning uh, Natties, you know, not Never. too long ago, right? 
They were killing people. Yeah. Literally. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> too soon? <laughs> Never too soon. You know how much yeah. I like uncomfortable <laughs> stuff. Tasty. So does Joy. She's rubbing her head right now. <laughs> well, so I these, just, are just, these are the same kind of parents that like complain about participation trophies and how how bad sports have become and then now you want to level the playing field can i, I add to what joy just said to i want to add to this because i think not even parents i'm thinking the worst fans right now are those that argue or complain about holding calls all right carry on <laughs> uh did you see my tweet after the miami game i was about to say out. And you know what's funny? I commented that I saw two on that very play. So yes, yeah. <laughs> I feel attacked. Like between me messing with your wife as a South Carolina alum, and now this, <laughs> like I, I'll see myself out. The question: If we're friends, Casey, damn it! <laughs> Sounds like you guys need to apologize to Tennessee fans. I think we were making fun of them for complaining about all these holding calls, and now all of a sudden. You do well, not owe any Tennessee fan any type of apology, so don't even try. Well, just to show my complete lack of self-awareness, I started that tweet with the equivalent of not to be that guy. Because I think I said something like, I never complain about the rest. That's exactly but, what so you said. <laughs> that game was fixed. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did. There were absolutely two holds, yet, but... two holds on that run, though. There were absolutely two holds. But those fans suck. <laughs> but not you. I'm I'm learning some things about myself during this episode that are a little uncomfortable. So <laughs> well, speaking of uncomfortable conversations, there was a Michigan <laughs> fan who had to have a very uncomfortable conversation with his ten year old, uh, his ten year old daughter about Michigan football. And look, as I read this, he recants this conversation. I believe every word of it. It says <laughs> This is from a guy named Six Points on the Fort. He says, how do y'all explain this to your kids, family, non-diehard Michigan fans? I'm at my son's 8U football practice tonight, and my daughter, who is 10 and loves Michigan football, uh, JJ and Jim Harbaugh, she knows the game really well because she plays on a really good all-girls travel team and watches every Michigan game with me, uh, but has no idea what stealing signs means. Comes up to me and she says, why am I getting all these notifications about Michigan and Jim Harbaugh stealing signs from people? I always thought Jim Harbaugh was a, re was a really good guy and he is in trouble or going to get in trouble? Me. Ohio State's third base coach has been making up stories about Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, hoping the game gets canceled. My daughter, oh, that makes sense. Now because Michigan is even better this year, and that really is the only chance they have not to lose. Me, as I'm laughing, uh, by the way, Michigan didn't actually physically steal or take signs from anyone. My daughter, okay, good. I was a little worried Jim Harbaugh started stealing stuff because you are always telling me, telling everyone how Michigan needs to pay Jim Harbaugh. What do you guys think of that father-daughter uh, Jim Harbaugh discussion? Do you think it went exactly as it's recanted or as recited there? Why would anybody lie on a message board? <laughs> there must have been 20 people who responded with some variation of, I'll take things that never happened for $800, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I like this is one of the one of my favorite narratives from Michigan is that Ryan Day is behind this because somehow he's trying to get this game canceled because he doesn't want to play it. Just all that, and there's so many layers to this, right? Because this guy's telling a made-up story about lying to his kid to explain away his school allegedly being deceitful. That's like it's like triple embedded lying there somehow. Do you think after he posted it, he just sat back and just said, "Ha, huh, now I feel better." <laughs> he, he, he thinks this is a masterpiece. No <laughs> this reminds me. At one point in my early legal career, I had to handle traffic tickets, and the amount of people who would come in to challenge their traffic ticket, not by saying that they weren't guilty of the offense but by saying that the officer should be doing something different, that there are bigger crimes out there for the officers to be paying attention to instead of giving me a ticket for driving 50 in a 35. This is what Michigan fans are doing. It's like, hey, no one said, they're not even saying they didn't do anything wrong. They're simply saying, hey, someone else did something worse or isn't there something, something else y'all should be worried about other than the fact that we <laughs> were not obeying the rules? When we talked last week about the, mo the most troubling part of all of this is how bad they were at it, right? Like they left a paper trail that was like an electronic trail that was so easy to follow. It's crazy. And like at least be better at cheating. I don't know if it's true, but there's a new thing that's coming out that's saying ball boys, you know, the ball boys that are on the opposing sidelines, uh -huh. like so that you're using your own footballs. They were also stealing signs and and verbiage from coaches on the on the opponent's side i don't know how true that is it just i, I just saw it tonight that's, before we that's came awesome out. if that's true <laughs> this whole awesome. this whole story is awesome and at this really point is. like you hear all these rumors about stuff and uh, there's any i mean i kind of believe all of it because it's all so weird I'll tell you my favorite part of this particular story that this guy told is the idea of his 10 year old daughter having on push notifications for Michigan football, right? <laughs> because MEG, as you know, 10 year olds, that's, that's all they're thinking about. Right. Just yeah. Jim Harbaugh and Michigan football. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Maybe they're, maybe they're interested in the chiefs because Taylor Swift might be there. Right, yeah, but that's exactly. the only football ten-year-old girls are uh, <laughs> paying attention to. I don't know if that's entirely true. Uh, so, well, I mean, all the ten-year-old girl, ten-year-old girls I know aren't getting push notifications about NCAA football. I mean, my son wasn't either, to be honest. Like he's, you know, he's playing Minecraft. He's in the football now, but it, yeah, he, he he didn't have his phone set up to get push notifications. All right, Casey, Clemson. You mentioned they played Notre Dame this week. There's a fan uh, on the Clemson 247 board that's really got two concerns this week when it comes to Clemson playing Notre Dame. His first one, he thinks Clemson's going to get throttled, but his first concern is that Clemson stays healthy. His second concern is to make sure that my wife doesn't see Marcus Freeman. <laughs> you found my burner, MBG. Casey, has your wife seen Marcus Freeman? Or are you going she to try to not. shield her from Marcus? Are Freeman? you sure that she hasn't? We're going to Disney for a reason. <laughs> this is like the whole Joe Burrow thing all over again, right? Like, no, nah, Marcus Freeman looks better than Joe Burrow. Oh, look at that! Stop the presses. You guys will be very, very surprised to learn I did some research for this. So no. I typed in hottest college football coaches, and 
I found a Reddit thread from a year ago. And I swear I'm not making this up. And I don't want us to beat this joke into the ground, but I like I legit laughed out loud. So the Reddit thread was, is Marcus Freeman the hottest head coach in college football? Just look at that jawline. Exquisite. Who is your hottest coach in college football? The second response doesn't matter. No one could ever compete with Mangino. <laughs> and then the response to that was because he'd eat them if they tried. <laughs> I don't know if he can beat it down. I mean, I laugh every time. <laughs> the, the fact that that was the second response just killed me. I think if there's any betting people out there, and I'm going to, I'm not good at gambling, so I don't want to spend your money, but Notre Dame minus two might be the biggest lock of the century. Were they so, only minus two? Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm with you, Casey. Oh, I'm taking Clemson on those points, Casey. <laughs> it's only two. Though. That's not a lot of points. <laughs> no, Clemson's going to get back So uh, back in the groove. Yeah, it might not be this year, but they'll be back. <laughs> yeah, I, told, gonna, groove. <laughs> I told you, MBG, we, we were waffling on this one. I said I think we had to go Clemson this week just because of the season. So I'm glad we did. And this was a relatively tame one, right? It was all about Marcus Freeman. I mean, this is I mean, actually a rational take, right? This isn't this isn't even that outrageous. For, I mean, we have guys like Fast Chad on our board, so yeah. <laughs> By the way, I did find uh, another article. This is a Bleacher Report article from 2010 that listed the 15 hottest college football coaches. Who's even and, number two? And I don't know if this is... What's that? Who's even number two? So, th- I mean, this is fi- almost... 13 years ago when this one came out. And I don't know if this is a sign of the type of quality you get from Bleacher Report or how sad it is to start getting old. But do you want to hear some of the names who are on this top 15 list? Yes. Number 13, number 13 was Jim Harbaugh. Oh, God. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jim Harbaugh looks a lot like Lou Holtz these days. I don't know if anyone has noticed that, but he's kind of transforming. Them khakis, uh, though. Nine, yeah, Greg Schiano, number nine. Uh, Rich Rod, number seven. <laughs> what? Rocco Mendenhall, number six. I know Urban is somewhere on this list. Steve Sarkeesian, number three. And who okay. do you think was number one? Nick Saban. No, Joy just nailed it. Urban Meyer was number Urban. one on the hot coaches list. I knew it. He was pretty back in the day. He yeah, was back in the day, and then we it's thought sad. Was Getting old is sad, man. That's all I kept thinking. I was like, "Oh, this is only 13 years ago." So, Joy, who would be number two now? Ooh. In my opinion, it'd be Lane. Yeah, Lane would probably be up there. Really? He's cute. Yeah. Cliff back to being an assistant coach somewhere. Cliff is somewhere, right? Uh, Cliff's with the USC. He's an analyst. Lincoln would probably be in like the top 10. Interesting. I don't know. They're all like Napier'd probably be. It's weird because like most of them are old now. Like Nick's Nick's old. Brian Kelly's old. How about Josh Heupel? (laughs) (laughs) Josh Heupel would be on like the 15 coaches that regardless of their salary would never. (laughs) (laughs) Josh Heupel's on. I can't, I can't even think of anyone else that might be on the list. Mike Norvell, maybe? I don't know. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. 
There's a couple I could think of, but I'm just not going to say them because I don't want to get judged. <laughs> this is judgment-free zone, Joy. I was going to say that, but it's 1,000% not true. So. No, it's not. <laughs> not true well, at all. Four of us, maybe, but I mean, we'll judge. Never mind. <laughs> I mean, I just think I just think Marcus Freeman is genuinely in a league of his own, and then everyone else is just there. Marcus Freeman is the Philip Rivers of college football coaches in that he's got about 35 kids. And every time I th- talk about him and we talk about how hot he is, I think of the bumper sticker on the back of the minivans that it has like the the stick figures with 35 kids on it. And, <laughs> and then uh, somebody else inevitably has something that says, get off of her. Like, that's what I think of. Does Freeman have a lot of kids? I didn't realize that. Yes, six. He's got six, yeah. All right, let's wrap this up. Going to Texas, you know, Texas had a big game against BYU this week, so there was a lot of talk on their board getting ready for the game. Um, a lot of the fans were really focused, I think, on, on the game this Saturday. And there was this post by uh, this poster. It says her co-star in the Beaver picture. I'm not sure what that's all about, but <laughs> but the title of his post was a possible plot hole in Cinderella says the Disney princess mania has finally hit my daughter and the latest target of her interest is Cinderella. Can someone explain to me why the glass slippers were still there the next day, even after every, everything else the fairy godmother made had turned back into the, the crap that it came from like her sooner schooner turned back into a pumpkin, all her nice clothes turned back into homeless style stuff, etc. When the clock struck midnight, but these glass shoes, which seem like a horrible effing idea, by the way, seem, seem to persist indefinitely. Either the magic spell breaks at midnight or it doesn't. It, it kind of makes me feel like the fairy godmother could have possibly, probably made everything last longer if she wanted. But instead, she, she decided <laughs> to be an a-hole and make it all disappear. <laughs> Had you guys ever considered this plot hole? In the movie Cinderella, <laughs> so good. <laughs> Why is all of a sudden it, it coming to the Texas message boards this week? That's <laughs> my, my question. I, I was thinking the the oh, kind of. Man, uh, I can't believe my my tongue is tied, but yeah, the, crap, that's the only thing I could think of more unhinged than college football message boards would be Disney message boards. So I did not go down that rabbit hole to try and find answers oh. to this, but. I'm sure they've got to be out there, though, right? They got to be. Someone did. Someone in the responses actually did go to the Disney message boards to see if there was any discussion of this topic on the Disney message boards and could not find any. So right. I don't. This the Texas message boards may be the first place where this plot hole was discussed. But he does have a point on the glass slipper thing. Why would anyone wear glass shoes? Yeah, they were supposed to fit comfortably and everything like that. Come on, dude, they're glass. Walking around in glass Imagine shoes, they break. Then you got shards in your feet. And you ever try to pull shards of glass out of your skin? Yeah, just I, a little how disgusted Joy looks. I just don't understand. How we're literally having a conversation about like something that like so obviously didn't happen about a fictitious character. Wait a minute. I mean, I thought the other plot hole going to Casey's point was there's no other woman in the entire kingdom who had the same size foot as her, right? That seems a little weird. I mean, are like we going arch? Feet or something? Yeah. <laughs> right? 
Well, the other issue is, did he never see her face? <laughs> I mean, to me, that would have been the easiest way to find her was just remember what her face looked like and then go around and look at all the other women and see if they had the same face. Did he cheat? Did he go to the local Walgreens and, and do the Dr. Scholl's machine and get this perfect insert for these glass shoes? I mean, I have questions, MBG. I mean, was she wearing a ski mask or what? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Like feet was the only feet was the only, the only distinguishing feature about her. And if that's the case, I mean, she really doesn't seem like all that much of a catch, right? If, if all you can remember is what size her feet were, I mean, I don't know, MBG. There's a whole foot thing going around Twitter right now. So, we <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah, you clearly have not been on Feet Finder like uh, some people. <laughs> Twitter have. I mean, the other thing would be is maybe this guy was just Rex Ryan all along. And <laughs> I forgot about Rex. I bought him a beer in in Arizona. Rex Ryan? Why am I buying him a beer? Shouldn't he have been buying me a beer? This has killed me since 2015. Brown noser? Well, his kids played at Clemson, or his kid played at Clemson. So him and oh, his right? brother were there, and I was in the beer line. They were behind me, so I just bought three. And Aww. then they both chugged them with me. It was You're awesome. So sweet, Casey. Yeah, they were only like $35 a piece. So, Casey, did you say you're going to Disney? Can you do some on-the-ground research while you're there, do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm literally the first place we're going is Magic Kingdom. I'm going right to the castle, and I'm going <laughs> to do some recon. <laughs> well, I think those guys have to stay in character, right? So find Cinderella. They I mean, better. She's, she's got to respond. She's got to answer these questions. I'm going to write a sternly worded certified letter. Who's if I don't finding Cinderella? You got to find the fairy godmother or the prince. Because oh, they're there. the two He's that there. answer the questions. Cinderella was just there. She was the dumbass that ran off and left her shoe. Like, who gives a crap about what she has to say? I'm going to be the genius of the week next week. Next week, when you see Man. me get hauled off by the cops, because I'm going be right so up to good. When we just see Casey getting dragged off screaming, I demand answers. <laughs> Casey's getting pulled out of the bippity boppity boutique <laughs> <laughs> for harassing Cinderella with with Mickey ears on his head. <laughs> uh, screaming, I need foot pictures. I need foot pictures. <laughs> Oh, the other thing, I don't know if you guys saw this response. Uh, this is buried in there, but this guy, Humidity Enjoyer on Twitter, uh, responded. Uh, this probably is only funny to me. But said, I discovered a possible plot hole in Princess and the Frog. An alligator that plays the jazz trumpet is simply preposterous. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair, too. I mean, Casey, if you've got extra time, figure that one out, too, man. I don't yeah. think that... We have, we've got a lot of work for you to do on the ground there, Casey. Yeah, just give me notes. I'll give the answer. <laughs> Sorry, son. Casey's going to be so brutally hungover after drinking around the world at Epcot. He's not going to give a damn about any of these questions. I'll probably be angry afterwards, you know. So, so I will be hungover on Sunday. Hungover, yes. Casey, just reeking of alcohol. On um, It's <laughs> a small world. Demanding answers from Cinderella. <laughs> this is the kind of content that could make this show blow up, Casey. <laughs> And yelling at Don't let us down, Casey. <laughs> I got y'all. That's all I got. Everyone tune in next week for Casey's report. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That'll do it for this week's episode, the MBG podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. You can check out more content at messageboardgeniuses.com. And we'll see you next time, losers. Uh -huh.